0: Good morning, everyone. How are we doing on this beautiful, beautiful day? Start for another exciting week. I want to thank everybody who's joined us and who shares the program, and even to those who are listening to it a little bit later in the day. But remember, this is an interactive program, so it's more fun, just like adventures, like road trips. They're more fun when they're shared, but I digress. Hey, I want to give a shout out. Uh, We're going to be talking about living history today and uh, try to avoid getting too deep into the political woods, but uh, since we're talking about living history, living time capsules, magical places that blur the line between past, present, and future, uh, I want to give a shout out to our good friends at the Wagon Wheel Motel in charming Cuba, Missouri. Not only is this the longest uh, or the oldest continuously operated motel on Route 66, it is, thanks to Connie Eccles and her team, it's an opportunity to experience the very, very best of Route 66, the very essence of the highway, if you will, and uh, but with all the modern amenities. Step back in time a tad bit. Hey, uh, okay, our first stop today uh, on our tour of places where you can blur the line between past and present is uh, just north of Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, It is near Thunder Bay, Ontario. And if you happen to uh, Find yourself in the North Country. You know, this is often overlooked, uh, but, but uh, the, the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan, uh, up northern uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ashland, Wisconsin, the Apostle Islands, Isle Royal, one of the least visited national parks. I really recommend the Lake Superior Circle Tour, especially in summer. Or that two weeks between mosquitoes and snow. I digress. Uh, Fort William Historical Park. This is an accurate recreation of the Northwest Company's inland headquarters. There are over 40 buildings, uh, including the artisan's era, a working farm, a Native American Anishinwabba encampment. It's a cultural mosaic. Uh, Authentic period costumes and traders and artists, Scottish fur traders, Ojibwa. Uh, French-Canadian Voyagers, furs, foodstuffs, muskets, medicine, birch bark canoes are being built. It's a hand-on experience. You can, they'll actually work with you to allow you to paddle a, uh, an authentic birch bark canoe out onto the river. Uh, you can play lacrosse with Native Americans as it was originally played. Fresh-baked bread cooked in wood-fired ovens. And there's a lot of great festivals that uh, enhance the uh, sense of time travel it's something i highly recommend if you're up in that north country and and really you should consider that uh, lake superior drive some summer okay we've got some other ones i want to share with you here uh Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia, I have mentioned this before, and I haven't been there for a few years, but uh, over 500 structures. This place was a, a, a big, big boomtown. It was a key center during the colonial era, but by the late 1890s, it had faded from prominence, and by the early 20th century, it was in uh, near Ghost Town State, and uh, DuPont and a few other business owners, big industrialists, decided to bring it back to life. And uh, it's an actual town. People live there, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, People come home at night, park their cars on the street, and the next morning, they clear the streets to give that time capsule feel. Uh, When I was there several years back, it was kind of fascinating to sit there in that early morning mist, and you would, the, the cars would leave, and wagons would appear, and ox carts. Yeah, the cars would drive off into the mist, and then there would be an ox cart. It made it kind of interesting. Anyway, there's over 500 structures on 301 acres. It's the oldest, largest, and richest living history museum about the uh, dawning of the American Revolution. You can see how Cooper's fashion barrels, printer set type, uh, mock trials. One of the things that's interesting about Williamsburg is they recreate a day. You know, you may be there on July 6th, but uh, they take August 3rd. And whatever happened on that day, that's what they're doing. Uh, They... uh, the British may round up the British soldiers may round up the kids and have them gather firewood. There may be a, a slave auction, uh, a, a trial. If a trial took place at that time, you may be called for jury duty as, as a recreation. It's really quite an interesting deal, and even they go to great lengths at the restaurants with the menus: uh, venison stew, bubble and squeak, uh, things that were that have faded. That were popular during the colonial era and real uh, real close nearby within spitting distance is historic jamestown virginia and uh it took several centuries for the virginia colony located between the james and york rivers to really thrive uh, and you also have yorktown there they call it the virginia's historic triangle and uh yeah. It's really, really fascinating. They have an ongoing archaeological dig that uh, young adults can get involved with. Uh, The reconstructed fort. uh, They have uh, interesting exhibits of guns. And I'm really glad that they have started incorporating uh, and been missing for a long, long time was the uh, Native American history here. We have a tendency. It's fascinating uh, that uh, we have to think of it as revolutionary, that they're starting to include slave auctions or Native American history. But, you know, that's an important part of the tapestry. It's like having a jigsaw puzzle and deciding you don't like the color of these pieces or you don't like what this picture, uh, these pieces, the picture it's creating. So we just leave them out. And I don't understand all this, the new political catchphrases, these woke and, uh, you know, all this uh, theories of education and stuff they're, they're screaming about. I've always felt that it was difficult. How are you going to teach about the civil rights movement and not talk about uh, the slavery in the United States or the Jim Crow laws or the KKK? How do you do that? And all of these are important parts of our national evolution. I digress again. Uh, The Nez Perce Tourism in Idaho. Now, this one is out of Lewiston, Idaho. This is really, it's not not so much a museum um, as it's an immersion. Yeah, you get a salmon, you can do salmon river whitewater paddle trips, things of that nature on the Snake River. But the key thing is horseback riding excursions, learning how the Nez se were able to acquire Appaloosas. Uh, they brush and saddle them, and there's outings, and they give you an immersion into the Native American culture before the arrival of Europeans. It's pretty, pretty, pretty fascinating, and I, I really have enjoyed that a lot. Uh, Another one, now this gets into US-6. You probably have heard me talk about US-6 a lot because it's a highway that uh, just fascinates the daylights out of me. It runs from the tip of Cape Cod to Bishop, California. It originally went all the way out to Long Beach, California. One of the places there is the Mystic Seaport Museum in Mystic, uh, Mystic, Connecticut. And it is almost a complete immersion in the 19th century when uh, Mystic bustled is a shipbuilding and whaling center. You, you can sit down and watch and, uh, sailmakers and barrel of coopers, shipsmiths, iron workers. Uh, and, and, and they've recreated wharf life as it was circa 1841. And that takes us to a great book I'd like to recommend that was written about that time. Uh and it's called uh Before the Mast. Uh it get the exact title here for you. Two Years Before the Mast was published by Richard Henry Dana in 1840. And that's a good book to read before you visit Mystic Seaport. It gives you a real in-depth feel for the times. And while you're in the neighborhood, you might check out Plymouth Plautexet Museum, in, uh, near Cape Cod uh, uh, Bay. It's spelled P I, excuse me, P L I M O T H, <coughs> excuse me, the original spelling for Plymouth there, and everything is set up as it was. They're trying to recreate basically the period around 1630 a short few years after the arrival of the pilgrims. In thatched roof houses, there's a dirt path through the forest. Uh, The the actors are trained to speak in 17th century dialect and use the phrases of the time. And uh, you can enter traditional Wampanoag homes, American Indians, uh, but they'll talk in modern English about hunting, fishing, and the culture of the people who lived along this coast for thousands of years. And uh, then you can jump on board a replica of the Mayflower, Mayflower 2, and your guide will discuss navigational in- instruments, astrolabes, quadrants, and other navigational techniques. And you can go down below board and just try to picture how 102 passengers, 35 crew, and just countless number of animals were crammed into this little ship. Tossed about like a cork on the ocean, and uh, it just—it really adds a deeper understanding of what these people endured to come to the so-called New World. Um, uh, there is another place I want to recommend. manitowoc wisconsin uh this is on lake michigan you can pick up the uh, badger it's an old uh, steam powered ferry uh, that crosses over to Ludington, michigan and that in itself is a lot of fun but uh, the uh, wisconsin maritime museum in manitowoc boy you know i can that that one is really uh pretty astounding they have uh get this they have four submarines there and you can do a self-guided tour through a couple of these see during world war ii the manitowoc Shipbuilding company was building submarines for the united states navy and a lot of people don't realize that that on the great lakes but uh these submarines were uh this was the only freshwater port in the United States to build submarines. And even though shipping was somewhat of a, you know, a challenge, think about it. You didn't have to worry about uh, aerial attacks, and you didn't have to worry about attacks from the sea. It made perfect sense. They called submarine in their, uh, in, during the 1940s, they called them pig boats. And you can get an idea why. <laughs> When you tour these things, they actually had bunks for these people set up in the. uh, uh, Torpedo rooms for sleeping, it just uh, in the torpedo tubes for sleeping. Wow. Uh, But the museum itself has almost 100000 artifacts and photographs, works of art, documents, the complete maritime history of Wisconsin and the Great Lakes region from initial settlement of american indians all the way through the modern era and the great lakes it can't be understated uh they were they're inland seas if you're not familiar with the great lakes and the museum it's it's really astounding especially in the 1850s through 1920s period uh, how heavy the traffic on the lakes were it uh just just, mind-boggling. And there's also a great display of uh, shipwreck memorabilia. And speaking of shipwreck memorabilia, since we're up there in the Great Lakes, uh, up in Copper Harbor, Michigan, on Lake Superior, there's another museum that might uh, be of interest. And that is the Keweenaw County Historical Society Museum. It's inside the old Fog Signal building at the Eagle Harbor Lighthouse Complex. It was operated by the U.S. Coast Guard. Copper mining was a big thing in this area Uh, from the early 1840s through uh, about uh, first decade, first years of the uh, 20th century. And the early days, the only way to get into these towns was by ship. There was no roads. Early travelers had to anchor offshore, take boats into the shore. And, of course, they started building Copper Harbor, Eagle Harbor, Eagle River, and light stations were built. The museum has uh, scale models of ships, galleries of photographs, stories of ships that sailed, navigational displays, uh, relics brought up from shipwrecks and uh, it's fascinating i'm a big fan of the uh, upper peninsula of michigan and the whole lake superior circle drive i've mentioned that previously but it's something i highly recommend that two weeks like say between mosquitoes and snow it's unbelievable up there one of the coldest winters that i have personally ever experienced was two weeks in June that I lived in Escanaba, Michigan. Once again, off topic, I know. Uh, I recommend, you know, that you... uh, When you travel, try to find a way to to incorporate a living history museum into your uh, adventure. And this is especially important if you have kids or young adults, teenagers. Uh, you've got to bring history to life. Static museums are interesting, but they're boring. And I've recently, uh, I have recently learned that there's been a pretty, pretty strong decline in attendance of static display museums. People, this is an era of, of people raised with video games and and virtual reality. So you need to add interaction to, to make a museum of interest. Uh, and like say, I, I try to avoid all this political stuff as much as I possibly can. I really don't understand the catchphrases, the uh, slogans, in order to sell for votes, uh, critical race theory, and and uh, woke, all, all these terms really have no relevance to me and uh i find them somewhat bothersome because like i say you cannot teach history as you want it to be you teach it as it was and that shows the evolution when you look at american history you realize all of our shortcomings and problems you realize also you discover the glory the majesty the the what an amazing country this is you see how we have progressed to try to live up to the ideals enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and it also gives you a milepost to show you how far we've come and how much further we have to go to make to bring those ideal and lofty goals into a place of reality and the living history museums are just so important for these and uh, there's some really good ones, like, say, Williamsburg. Oh, another one in Michigan, of course, Greenvi- uh, Greenfield Village in uh, Dearborn. That's another one that's exceptional. Well, oh, Harvey Firestone and Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and a few others decided basically to preserve the world that they were forever changing. And they re- they brought in historic buildings from literally all over the world and rebuilt them to create this village. And of course, you can get Model T rides. And uh, when my son was old oh, about 11, you could go into a 1770s print shop. And the, the, my son was able to work with a printer and using uh, ink and wooden blocks to make his own souvenir postcard. There was a, a, f- a shop there with the overhead cam pulley system And a steam engine, and they were using uh, turning lathes, and they were showing how to make uh, teenagers, the younger adults, how to make uh, brass candlesticks, stick holders. Really important, these living history museums. Uh, Automotive, a good example of how the static museums are changing or fading. Uh, The Automobile Driving Museum in El Segundo, California. Uh, some of the people involved with Jay Leno and others were bothered by the fact that young people really had no interest in cars manufactured much before the 1970s. And by young people, I mean under 40. Well, they got to thinking about it and looking at things. And What happens when you go to a car show? You see signs all over. Do not touch. Don't sit in. "Don't, Don't touch. Well, they decided to do something different. Encourage people to touch, especially the kids. And uh, they get high school. They've got a program where high school kids can work in the museum. And what they do, they work alongside mechanics to get cars roadworthy. They do things like check tires, clean the cars, things things of that nature. Now, some of the historic, particularly historic cars, of course, like Eleanor Roosevelt's Plymouth, they won't let people sit in touch. But other cars, they encourage you to get behind the wheel set behind the wheel look at the dashboard then they take it a step further that's why they call it the driving museum every week they take a few cars from the collection put them out front and uh, you can buy a ticket and they will take you for a drive and you don't know uh, it's it could be in the rumble seat of a model a you could be in a delorean a pacer a 1905 cadillac it's out in El Segundo, California, just a short distance south of Santa Monica Pier and the, the western terminus of Route 66. Well, my friends, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Got lots of projects in the works. Uh, telling people where to go, sharing the adventures, what I do. And uh, now I just got to find a way to tell people where to go and share the adventure and My ongoing quest to make it somewhat profitable, but either way, still enjoyable. Give another shout-out to uh, Miss Connie at the Wagon Wheel Motel. Be headed your way come October, if all goes well. And, of course, want to give a shout-out to Joe and Woody and the boys of the road crew for our theme song. Hey, before we wrap this thing up, anybody got any questions or anything they'd like to share this morning? Well, in that case, my friends, I will bid you adios, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Take care, my friends. Via Condios, me amigos. Invite your friends next week and uh, feel free to share the program. We'll have it up on Facebook soon. Take care, my friends.